I'm very cross and um, I've actually put sugar in my tea, which is how bad it is. Uh, frankly, I'd rather be drinking a cocktail, it has to be said, in uh, the Ivy Bar. Uh, I would like that so much. Uh, but I'm here in the window, uh, hot, cross, bothered um, and grumpy. So welcome to episode 164 of Mr. Bird Pods. I've not only got sugar in my tea, I've actually got a mug of it as opposed to my usual cup. So um, I've just not had a, it's just been a day as uh, I'd settled down to do this earlier on uh, and there was just drilling outside practically below the window, couldn't hear anything. Um, I'm actually thinking of becoming an expert on naming drills uh, just by hearing the well any cutting any mechanical cutting machine just or drilling just by hearing the noise um because honestly uh, there's just there's like three lots of building stuff going on around here at the moment and it's driving me mad um long time listeners of course will know about the extension <laughs> the extension basically started it's a little a little house um it's a semi-detached 1930s, very little house at the end of our road, on another road, but at the end of our road. And um, the person living there has decided to extend it. So there's a sort of a wraparound lower floor uh, and a huge, but only on one side of the, ups- the upside-down fee roof um, extension. So it's sort of squared off one side of the roof, which is the back of it, which is where we look at it. Um, The whole thing is completely out of proportion. It looks absolutely ridiculous. And I have friends who have listened to this podcast and have seen the extension and know and have agreed that I'm not exaggerating. It's just awful. It's been going on since I think it started in the end of 2019. It it was going in COVID because I was talking about it in lockdown. I mean, I said to my neighbour that cities have been built in the time that extension's taken. It still isn't finished. It's just absolutely extraordinary. So it must have gone on. It's gone on for about three years now. And the person's not living there. I don't know where they're living. It doesn't look so bad at the moment because it had all this weird stuff all over it. And that's all been taken off. So it's basically got white house, external walls. Uh, it's just really peculiar. Uh, and everybody talks about it. So um, the last thing was a load of building breeze blocks were delivered um, as I was settling down for a quiet Saturday morning. Um, I don't know what they're for. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So that's still going on. So that's excellent extension. Um, well, there's the neighbours coming back from school with their children. So um, that's that. So. Anyway, a load of drilling started. I don't know it's drilling. It sounded like a stone cutter or something, and it was just high pitched. Set up, started off just as I sat down to do this, so I got cross, and I thought, well, I'll do something. So I went off to the uh, local um, council amenity tip, recycling amenity tip, because I'm having a big clear out. I've decided. Well, someone started it. I'm carrying on. I've decided to 
spend the next... I'm going to give myself a year to clear out all the clutter in this. Well, not like all of the clutter, but just clear out the ridiculous amount of stuff we have. Uh, I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous. I'm not a hoarder in the sense I collect, can't throw things away ever, but I tend to not throw things away and then uh, have a massive clear out every now and then. But this is going to be a big, big clear out because we are all, we've been talking about moving for the past 20 years. <laughs> and the one reason I can't move is just there's so much stuff in this flat. I thought packing it all up um, just makes me want to weep. So, um, and of course, long term, anyone that listened to the Nothing to See Here podcast, which I don't think Darren keeps saying he wants to keep do carry on with it and do something different, but he's just always so busy. Uh, listeners to Nothing to See Here podcast will remember that I foolishly let Darren into this flat on his own. Uh, and then uh, I think not that long after a book. Uh, a shelf of books in the kitchen collapsed under the weight of the books because they were all kitchen recipe books which are really big and heavy although according to Darren of course it was because of the amount of dust on the clutter on the shelf the amount of dust uh, made the shelves collapse I've never heard the end of that one and because Darren always needles me and of course he's right basically the house is full absolutely full of clutter um, uh, so anyway Long story long, I have made a start. I have tidied my desk, which was an absolute mess. I mean, I just, I put paperwork on top of paperwork on top of paperwork. Um, the desk wasn't too bad, actually, because I have, I sorted out. Well, I had a clearance some not that long ago. But there's just a box full of leads. There is a box full of every single lead of every single phone I've had, every single electronic thing. And I just keep all the leads that's broken. I have uh, half of the box was actually full of broken headphones. I mean, why do I keep a broken headphone? It's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and all these cables. So I just got fed up in the end. Um, so I thought, well, so I've got the desk cleared. Well, it's not cleared, but it's it's been um, whittled down. And because I'm, I'm going to clear up the rest of the, that room, it's a box room that I'm supposed to have a desk in, but there's so much stuff in there, I never go in there. Um, and then I can start of, I'm sort of making room to put things that I want to keep, if that makes sense. Anyway, I thought I'll go to the amenity tip. Uh, the one thing I wanted to get rid of desperately with these cables, uh, I had a load of tatty old clothes. I never know what to do with my clothes because I wear them through. So they're either, they need darning or their past darning because they're just not very well made in the first place so there was a bag of that to go there was some light bulbs and all sorts of stuff so I drove up which was fine and then um, it's just very hot today I mean I have failed to mention I have been in an absolute dreadful mood for the past three days anyway because it's been so ridiculously hot and I've just been languishing like a Victorian lady uh, around the house doing that very little because um, I haven't had work this week so of course my one of my big plans was to get on with the clear out because it's just been 33 degrees I haven't been able to do the clear out so I've just been doing a little bit at a time which is fine that works well and then so I went up to the thing and then I couldn't find the bag of cables um, so I had to, after I put everything else where it was meant to go and uh, god that is such a miserable place I mean I can't think of anywhere more depressing than working in an amenity recycling centre uh, anyway but, but um yeah, so I retraced my steps everywhere I've been, couldn't find it, came home, uh, and of course it's sitting on the sofa. The one thing I wanted to take up to that tip to recycle was the bag of cables. It's sitting on the sofa. There is a reason it's sitting on the sofa. It's because some 
is because somebody distracted me uh, fussing about things. And um, anyway, I'm not going to get bitter. I'm sounding bitter and cross. I'm going to let it go with great difficulty because uh, I'm I, it's sitting on the floor now looking at me. Uh, that's really annoying. So anyway, that's my Monday. I'm cross because I haven't got work and I hate not having work and I'm cross because I've just been really hot and it has cooled off a bit today. But um, not as much as I'd like it to, to be honest. So, um, so that's a bit. Oh, and then, oh yes, and then I got home uh, and I opened the cupboard door at the top of the stairs, which is another nightmare of just stuff shoved in. I mean, it's just, this is why I'm going to give myself a year to do it because there's no way this house would get cleared in six weeks. And there was a very big group of people. Don't know who they are. Okay. And um well, I'm builders, looks like builders. And um the course then the door doesn't shut and then it's because everything's falling out and then I get cross and I just end up pulling everything out of the cupboard well I say everything out of the cupboard. A lot of things out of the cupboard, uh get very shouty and uh repackage it all in uh, more neatly so that the door shuts. So uh that made me even crosser. Oh, so many people walking back on the boards, it's very exciting. Builders. Um, hence the sweet tea, he says, slamming down his mug. So, um, back to my super duper holiday. I should have forgotten about now because it's been so long ago. And it's nice that I've written things down because it reminds me of happier times as opposed to clearing out cupboards for rubbish. Um, um, so that day was cloudy apparently cloudy but hot very hot in room last night so uh that was all nice so what did we do that day okay so we went to the chapel which i think i mentioned that was all that um but the most amazing ice creams that evening uh, i mean italian ice creams are just one of the food again aren't i but the italian ice creams are just so delicious um the next day was a bit cooler and I had a tiramisu. No, I didn't. Oh, breakfast included chocolate cake, a sort of tiramisu, but nicer and lighter. That implies that I ate it, having um, virtuously said I didn't have any cake in the morning. Uh, more apologies from the French woman about her children's behaviour. <laughs> um, <laughs> then we did a little driving tour. We went to Roddy. I think I mentioned Roddy. Did I mention Roddy? No. So we went to Roddy. Uh, it's a sort of a poetry town, so they've got a poetry competition. So... Uh, there's a wall on one of the streets that's full of that's got all the winning uh, poetry uh, written out and framed, which is nice. And they've got carved and metalwork bits of um, poetry and sentences around the place. It's lovely. And it also has a university for dogs. Very serious, not a joke at all. It's the Truffle University, Truffle Dog University, where dogs go, where dogs go to be trained to become truffle dogs because it's not a particular breed of dog, I think. It might be a certain type of temperament, but um, from what I've seen, there's all sorts of dogs that do it. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't go in, which was a shame. Apparently, I was hot, tired and grumpy, so uh, no change there then. Um, what did we do then? Then we went to Barolo. So Barolo is the town uh, of the famous wines. So the area is very, very complicated. I mean, it, they, the people that ran Maria... Uh, Marissa and Martina did explain about three times uh, why the wines can be named a certain name depending on where the vineyard is, where the what area it's in. It's just so complicated. But 
one of the areas is Barolo. Barolo is one of the most famous wines in the world, very expensive. Um, the town is tiny, but it's got a great big castle in the middle of it and dominates it. Uh, and it's now a museum of wine. Uh, and it's not uh, quite what you expect from a museum. Uh, it's very, um, say, interactive. It's quite theatrical. So the top floor, uh, sort of through multimedia, uh, sort of sculptures and lighting and sound and uh, not sculptures, but models and things, um, went through and all these pictures, the pictures of all are on Instagram, uh, of the, the 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 idea of wine, the sort of the, and wine in culture, nothing to do with the actual growing really of it. Um, it's the, it was sort of about the experience of wine. Uh, so there was, there was like one scene called Bacchanalia, which was two figures drinking out of huge wine casks things, but the figures were made out of the barrel wine barrels out of the hoops and the uh, wooden things. And there was another lovely room where you were underneath, uh, you were in the earth and above you sort of were wine root, um, the roots of the vines growing down uh, with sort of red lights, I think. And there was a projection on the ceiling of a uh, tractor and a person walking around. So it was like you were looking up from the earth through the vines to the uh, earth above. It was very clever. So there's all sorts of things like that. They were just ideas done in a very creative way around wine. The second floor was basically a history of wine, but done as a very long sort of diorama. Um, and that also had some quite funny moving. You pedaled and pushed and pulled levers and push buttons and things, um, sort of moving tableau as well. Uh, so that was all the history of wine, which was actually very interesting. And then the bottom, the bottom um, uh, floor, I wish we would have spent more time on had we had more time. It was potentially the most interesting. It was about the couple who had, I think, I can't remember whether they were part of the family from the original castle or whether they bought it. This is, I didn't have enough time to get all the details of it. But it was the man and woman who used to own the castle basically started the the vineyards and started how the area became famous for its wine and the wife did an extraordinary amount for the village she she made schools for children who hadn't got the opportunities in life others did she did an enormous amount of philanthropy with her money because she said she wanted to you know she had all this money and she wanted to give back and it was very moving they'd still done it in a very creative way so there was one they kept some of their furniture and there was one which had um, like life-size black and black and white photographs blown up life-size um, as if the people were having their photograph taken. Um, it was like, it was, it was really nice. And then, but it was at right at the end, there was a film about her um, and I was really tired and we had to go because it was near closing time. Um, and I keep meaning to look it up because she sounds such an interesting woman. Um, yeah, she sort of, saved and recreated re- the uh, the area and you know over time it's become what it is now which is quite extraordinary so it was a, it was really lovely that um it's done by um i don't know who designed it whether he was he's some sort of a creative artist that's designed it there's another museum he's done in torino called uh, which is a cinema of museum a museum of cinema apparently done in a similar way oh and there was there was like a room of 
um, clips of films uh, where people were drinking or picking grapes and stuff. And then there was a room of that had quotes from literature about wine and then another room with bits of music, songs about wine. I mean, it was just lovely. It was, it was, it was a really, I really enjoyed it actually, because I've never quite been anywhere like it. In fact, the Norwegians went after we, um, shout out to the Norwegians who were having a lovely time by Lake Garda, um, while I'm getting cross with cupboards and, uh, cables. Um, uh, yeah, I must ask them what they thought of it, because I've never really been in around anything like it. Um, there was also a little collection of, um, so many people walking past, but a lot of them are builders, um, a little collect private collection on public display of um, prints by Salvador Dali, Picasso and Miro uh, in a disused church, or a no longer used church, uh, which no one was in, because uh, no one was interested, uh, and that was lovely as well. And there we ate, is that where I have my famous plin? Yes, I had my famous plin. Plin is um, like a sort of tortellini, but smaller. Uh, it's a speciality of the area with two meats inside it, and it's covered in melted cheese. Um, I think, I think uh, I'll never forget that holiday for the cheese. And um, that went down very well, actually. I really enjoyed that. Um, so, uh, yes, I've written a lot about that, actually. It was amazing. Actually, just reading my description, because I haven't told, I haven't even mentioned about a third of what we actually saw going around that museum. It was amazing. Um, I've written, the whole museum was stunning. Real vision and imagination had gone into the concept design and construction. After that, a quick walk and headed home to cook omelettes. So in front of an Italian and French family who were also eating actually and cooking and it was very stressful uh, cooking in front of Italian and French families because I felt very pressurised and I was only doing it on what. Well that's the end of the tea going cold. Anyway, um, then we went to Mondovi the next day. I've got absolutely no memory of that place at all but it was 40 minutes away and we managed to park without a problem, which is very unusual because whenever we go into a town to park, I get very, very stressed. And uh, there's usually quite a lot of shouting going on, but apparently I didn't have any trouble. Oh yes, this was amazing. Uh, this was a beautiful place because we'd had it recommended to us by the lovely Italian couple because they have a big artisan's market there through the town. Uh, I think it's once a year and it's for three days. And they said it was the last day today uh, you should go. So we went and the town's divided into two, uh, one uh, up a hill and one half at the bottom. And they are joined by a funicular railway, um, which is one of those railways that go outside of uh, hills, obviously. And um, that was quite exciting going up there. And it was, the, I have to say, it was a very, very good crafts. It was, the stuff was just genuinely beautiful. It just wasn't full of tat, really lovely uh, crafted stuff. And we went to the Museum of Print. That was very strange. For a Museum of Print, you would think there would be lots and lots of signs for it because it's about the written word, the printed written word. There wasn't a single written sign for it. Even when we eventually, and it took a long time, found the entrance to it, there was still no sound, sound, uh, no sound no uh, sign. But it was absolutely fascinating. It was a collection of um, printing presses. Um, again, it was done in quite a, quite a 
visual sound way, what's the word I'm looking for, multimedia. Um, and I think the impact of it, it was quite small, was that, you know, the printed word just completely turned the development, the evolution of the human race upside down. I mean, it's just extraordinary. Um, I don't, you know, it's just, it just really, really hit home walking around it because they did the history. It was sort of around the different printing presses, um, but it sort of talked about, um, it was mostly in Italian, actually. It did have an English, strange English um, guided thing on a tablet, which was a bit weird. But um, yeah, that, it just, it's very difficult to explain, but it really hit home how it just changed the the printed word changed absolutely everything and obviously we wouldn't have elect, you know we wouldn't have computers and mobile phones if we didn't have the written word um there's a beautiful um i don't know if it's still on uh bbc2 i think i think it's called history of writing which was a three-part documentary i may mention it which was a really beautiful um series of programs if it's still on iplay i really recommend that um uh, anyway, so that was that, and then uh, and then we just looked around uh, the town, and uh, oh, and then we went. It was really odd. We went into this little church, uh, and there was this man sitting in a room off to the side, and he looked a bit strange. And I said, "Don't." I think I said words along. Don't go in there. Anyway, of course, somebody went in there and started talking to him. And um, the church wasn't that exciting, but he. What he did was he took us down into the crypt and the crypt, he was really sweet and he did speak in English. The crypt was full of all, it was a mono, it was basically a church with monks. I didn't quite understand it's Catholic and all the tombs, and it sounds gloomy, but it wasn't at all. All the tombs of all the monks, if they were monks, I'm not quite that wrong, um, were like uh, down there. Again, I think I took some pictures on Instagram. Um, and it was really interesting, and there were some very odd sculptures uh, by a, quite a well-known sculptor uh, from the turn of this last century. Um, they were dotted around amongst the tombs, which was, it, they weren't too, it was almost like they were stacked up like, it was like a wall of the sides of the tombs. It's quite difficult to explain. So I'm not talking about stone tombs. They were sort of all in like the walls. Um, it was fascinating, and honestly, if that man hadn't, um, if somebody hadn't spoken to that man, we'd have never seen that. That was really nice. Um, and then, it was a really nice day, this, actually. Um, and then the highlight of that day, we went into the one of the churches here, which had the most extraordinary painted ceiling. I mean, I know... I haven't seen the Sistine Chapel, but uh, the churches in Italy that we saw were very Baroque. I mean, overwhelmingly, uh, just overwhelming, actually. Um, this one was just extraordinary because uh, we you had to pay to go in, but not very much. Uh, you could look in sort of from the doorway, but you had to pay to actually walk in and look at it underneath. And... Um, it was so bursting with life and humour. Um, 
and he was very religious the man he's very famous actually i didn't realize i Potsy. i think his name was Potsy, and he's done a lot of um Pozzo, andrea Pozzo. um he'd hidden again it's on instagram there were little jokes in it that that i wouldn't have known had they not been pointed out by uh, indication signs and stuff and um each face of each person up there i mean it was just like looking at real people on top of that the the, the illusion of the perspective was ex was just extraordinary the whole thing was was one of the most amazing things I've seen. I mean, I just, not one of the most amazing things I've seen, but I loved it so much. Um, um, and I could have stood there for hours. And the trouble is, of course, there was a big mirror that you could look down into, but of course your neck just starts hurting. And then it, oh, my neck starts hurting. And then um, the altar had um, a sort of metal cutout figure of the saint, uh, to whom the church was dedicated and apparently uh, in the dimness of the church with just candles which were, were hidden uh, around it it would look as if the saint was floating going up to heaven um, and apparently these were quite common altarpieces but there's not very many left of them uh, and it was called a machina and I think it therefore is linked up to the deus ex machina which is from around Shakespeare's time when the the god would be lowered from uh, the ceiling into the performance and uh, make everybody have a happy ending in the play. So um, I actually pre-Shakespeare that. So I presume there's a connection there. But it was just, um, I would love to go back there and just look at that ceiling again. I loved it so much. I took some photographs and actually you can <coughs> get sort of get a feeling for it. I'm on to 30 minutes, actually. You've had a very long, Mr. Burt. Um, the rest of the news is I'm definitely going to Dorking. I don't know what's going to be going on. Read the podcast. Uh, I have got work on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Friday, Saturday night, I'm going to be working front of house. Um, I've had no work this week, and which has made me, this week, which has made me crotchety. Uh, and I think uh, that's why I am with stuff. So, um, um, so I'm going to say thank you for listening.